Happy Independence Day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we are studying today. The Bible calls out nations according to the people for who they are. Now, keep that in mind because there's governments and then there's nations. The people are not necessarily the same as the government. We need to keep that in mind when we talk about Iran and China and all the rest of it. That's very, very important. We're going to talk about that from Isaiah 18 in about five minutes' time. Coming up in about 20 minutes is Ryan and Corey. Corey? I am taking a look at the nation of Cush from Isaiah chapter 18. Ryan? Well, today I'm talking about the garments, the key, and the nail. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then stay tuned. All right, very good. They're coming up in about 20 minutes' time. Janice? Celebrations, a time to pray. All right, very good. So take your Bible guide out, turn to today's passage, and let's discover what God is saying to us. Isaiah 18, 1 through 7. Woe to the land, shadowed with buzzing wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, which sends ambassadors by the sea, even in vessels of reed on the water, saying, Go, swift messengers, to a nation tall and smooth of skin, to a people terrible from their beginning onward, a nation powerful and treading down, whose land the rivers divide. All inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth when he lifts up a banner on the mountains, you see it. And when he blows a trumpet, you hear it. For so the Lord said to me, I will take my rest, and I will look from my dwelling place like clear heat in sunshine, like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. For before the harvest, when the bud is perfect and the sour grape is ripening in the flower, he will both cut off the sprigs with pruding hooks and take away and cut down the branches. They will be left together for the mountain birds of prey and for the beasts of the earth. The birds of prey will summer on them, and all the beasts of the earth will winter on them. In that time, a present will be brought to the Lord of hosts from a people tall and smooth of skin, and from a people terrible from their beginning onward, a nation powerful and treading down, whose land the rivers divide, to the place of the name of the Lord of hosts, to Mount Zion. Isaiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 7. Isaiah chapter 18. Chapter 19, chapter 20, and 21. Those are the passages we read today as we focus our attention on the Bible. The biblical land of Cush has been identified as the land south of Egypt. Now today, they call it Ethiopia. The people who lived there were descendants of the son of Ham and the grandson of Noah. Now, Cush was known for locusts, and that may be why it's referred to as the land shadowed with buzzing wings in Isaiah chapter 18, verse 1. In the book of Job, wisdom is valued higher than the topaz of Ethiopia, a precious stone used in jewelry and other ornaments. That's Job 28, 19. 
Now in Isaiah, the prophecy, Cush is alarmed at Assyria's power and they wanted to form an alliance to stop them before they came too deep into Africa. Interestingly, this land was included in the list of the Persian Empire in the book of Esther, Esther 1, 1 or 8, 9. In other words, it was taken over. Now, Isaiah speaks to Cush hundreds of years before this way, saying, Woe to the land of shadowed wings, buzzing wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, which sends ambassadors by the sea. Isaiah 18, 1 and 2. The prophet calls them out about their plans and tells them not to pursue Assyria. Isn't that something that is absolutely fascinating as we focus on this and begin to study it very carefully? And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as we focus on this July 4th, Happy Independence Day to my American friends. And as we focus on this, we need to ask the Lord to show us his way and teach us his path. You can also go to Bible Discovery TV and click on that. Click on the actual page of the Bible Guide. It'll take you to a donate page. Thank you for your donations. And then it takes you to a place where you can download it exactly like we printed it, or we'll send you one, either one. The nation of Cush. This is really interesting. Father, help us today as we explore this ancient nation. As we look at this ourselves, now, we don't want to read into this with our ideas. So we're going to come to this and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us your ways and show us your paths and, and what you're thinking, because that's what we need to do, Lord. Help us to have your mind today. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said together, make it so, or amen. Isaiah chapter 18, verses 1 to 3. This is a fascinating passage of scripture. This is from the book of Isaiah, written about 700 BC. It says, Woe to the land shadowed with buzzing wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, which sends ambassadors by sea, even in vessels of reed on the waters, saying, Go swift messengers to a nation tall and smooth of skin, to a people terrible from their beginning onward, a nation powerful and treading down, whose land the rivers divide, all inhabitants of the world and the dwellers on the earth. When he lifts up a banner on the mountains, you see it. And when he blows a trumpet, you hear it. I, I love how Isaiah writes. The Bible calls out a country according to its people. A country is judged by its people, not necessarily its leaders. Let me give you a good example. If you were to judge the nation of China, would you judge the nation of China based on its government or based on its people? Very different. Would you judge a nation like Iran based on its government or based on its people? There's a revival going on in Iran. Very different places in terms of people. But God sees the people. Now, he understands what the government's doing, but he sees the people. And God says to Cush, he begins to talk to them this way. And Isaiah knows that as he writes these prophetic scriptures. He begins to talk to them. Go on to verse chapter 4 through 6. It says, For so the Lord said to me, I will take my rest and I will look from my dwelling place 
like clear heat in sunshine, like a cloud of dew in the heart of the harvest, or he the heat of the harvest. For before the harvest, when the bud is perfect and the sour grape is ripened in the flower, he will both cut off the sprigs with pruning hooks and take away and cut down the branches and they will be left together for the mountains, birds of prey and for the beats of the earth. The birds of prey will sum- summer on them and all the beasts of the earth will winter on them. This writing is outstanding. God warns that his plans will come to pass regardless of their plans. See, when we think about God's will before our desires, we will succeed. You know, there's one way and people, here's, here's a good one for you. People are writing books and talking about, you know, podcasts, everything on how to be a success. I'll tell you how to be a success. Get the will of God in your life. Follow the will of God, not your own will. Seek the will of God. You have self-esteem problems, come to Christ, bow before Christ. Christ will lift you up and put Jesus Christ in you and you will have Christ esteem, beloved. That's the answer. Identifying, knowing, and surrendering to God, that is the answer. Beloved, we need to keep that in our hearts and keep that in our minds because we need to pay attention. God is doing something. And to Cush, he was doing the same thing. Now, verse 7 of chapter 18 is very interesting. We need to focus on this and pay attention because God is going to speak to us. It says, in that time, a present will be brought to the Lord of hosts from a people tall and smooth of skin and from people terrible from their beginnings onward, a nation powerful and treading down whose land the rivers divide to the people of the name of the Lord of hosts to Mount Zion. What in the world is he talking about? A tribute will be brought to the Lord from the people of Cush. Now God praises or God's praises will be accomplished according to his will, not ours. Remember that we said God's will will be accomplished whether we want it to or not, because God's going to do his will with or without us. Now I suggest a better way to do this is to, is to get ourselves in God's will, but that's the same with God's praises. He will be praised with or without us. I want to be a part of God's praises. It it doesn't, it's not an ego thing. God is not, you know, obsessed with himself. It teaches us who he is. It teaches us who God is. And when we praise God, we lift up our hearts and give praise to his name. Give praise to him because we praise Jesus Christ, the God Almighty, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, because he is the one who has created everything, even the electronics, even the image that you see on your screen, whether computer, phone, or tablet, or television set. God has created that, beloved. He is the creator of everything, even the time that you're watching this right now. So Father, I pray today that we would recognize you and bring our lives into submission with the life of Jesus Christ. Help us today in Jesus' name, and we said together, Amen.
Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Today we are going to be taking a look at the ancient nation of Cush because the prophet Isaiah prophesies, you know, against Cush. He receives a message from God that Cush is going to be, uh, you know, humbled and, and taken over. And this would have been surprising and concerning during the days of Isaiah. And I say that because Cush was known as a warrior nation and in fact had allied themselves with Hezekiah of Judah. So it wouldn't have been a nice message for anyone to hear his message of judgment against Cush. Take a look. The nation of Cush was located south of Egypt along the Nile River and is referenced 54 times in the Bible. The Egyptian name for Cush meant land of the bow, and although it may reference the obvious turning of the Nile River into the shape of a bow through Cush's land, it also references what seems to have been the Cushites' weapon of choice. An early grave excavated in Cush housed an occupant that was buried with his bow in hand, and a series of 40 small statues depicting Cushite archers was unearthed in an Egyptian tomb. From written records, Cush became known for their military training. Cushites served as mercenaries in many different armies. The Amarna letters tell of Cushite troops manning Egyptian military outposts in Canaan, which would have put them face to face with Israelites in the time of the conquest and judges. By the time of King David, there were Cushites in Israel's army as well. After the defeat and death of David's son Absalom, it was a Cushite soldier who told David the news. Sometimes, however, the Israelites and Cushites found themselves on opposite sides. During the reign of Judah's King Asa, a war was fought and won against Zerah the Cushite. During the days of Hezekiah, an alliance was struck with the kings of Cush, who had also become kings of Egypt. In the 8th century BC, the kings of Cush successfully invaded Egypt, claimed kingship, and established the 25th dynasty of Egypt. These Cushite pharaohs established trade with the Assyrian king Tiglath-Pileser, who wanted Cushite horses for his military chariots. Evidence from Assyria even suggests that they employed Cushites in the keeping and training of these horses. But this trade didn't keep peace between Cushite Egypt and Assyria. Pharaoh Terhaka, a Cushite pharaoh named in the Bible, was King Hezekiah's ally and marched against Assyria when they attacked Judah. Though Terhaka was the last Cushite pharaoh, Cush continued on in their military importance, and Ebed-Melech, a Cushite working as a high official in Jerusalem, had the power to confront King Zedekiah, change his mind, and rescue the prophet Jeremiah. So as we keep reading in Isaiah chapter 18, then 19, then 20, we see that Isaiah has grouped together Cush and Egypt, which makes sense because of the how, how these nations were blended at this time, uh, distinct but blended, and also how e Judah had really relied on the military strength and the friendship of Egypt and Cush to back them against Assyria. So this message that Egypt and Cush were going to fall to Assyria would not have been 
well received, uh, as you can well imagine. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we don't know exactly because the, the, there's people that are in these lands that mm-hmm. we know where the lands are, but we don't know if the people are originally from those. Yeah, lands. yeah. But uh, it's it Ethiopia and that whole area in Africa today, which is going through a difficult time right now. But that that is the land of Kush. Yeah. And uh, that's absolutely fascinating. Thank you, Corey. You're welcome. Yeah. Ryan. All right. Well, I know our reading assignment today is Isaiah 18 to 21, but I want to jump ahead to chapter 22 because something in that chapter really got my attention. And that was the prophecy regarding the demotion of Shebna. And the first thing that I noticed is that the words of God here are very, very emphatic. Clearly, God is very displeased with Shebna and is stripping him of his power and position. The second thing I noticed was that God mentions three specific elements in this prophecy, which could seem unusual to Western readers. But once you do a cultural study, it all makes sense. And those three elements are the garments, the key, and the nail. So here's what I discovered. Isaiah chapter 22, verses 15 through 25, contains the only prophecy Isaiah ever prophesies against an individual and that individual was Shebna. Shebna was King Hezekiah's treasurer, and thus was over the entire royal house. It was the highest possible office in a kingdom besides the king himself. Unfortunately, Shebna misused and abused his position, as he was apparently more self-serving than God-serving. In fact, he was far more concerned with his own future, as is seen through his hewing out of a lofty sepulcher for himself. Thus, when he dies, he'll be well-remembered by virtue of the sepulcher on high in which he hopes to lay. However, according to the word of the Lord, Shebna will never get to use it. To the contrary, he will die in a foreign land. In the meantime, he would be demoted to the position of scribe. Eliakim is to serve as his replacement, and he will prove to be faithful. This transfer of authority is described emphatically through three specific elements. First, Shebna would be stripped of his garments, and they would be placed upon Eliakim. In the Bible, garments are an important symbol of authority. For example, Moses stripped Aaron of his priestly garments and put them upon Eleazar his son. This was the formal initiation of Eleazar into the sacred office. We find also that Elijah threw his mantle over Elisha when, in obedience to divine command, he called him to the prophet's work. In a similar way, Eliakim was appointed the successor of Shebna. Secondly, God proclaims, And the key of the house of David will I lay upon Eliakim's shoulder, and he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. Interestingly, since oriental keys are usually large, it's often a matter of convenience to carry them on the shoulder. As the possessor of a key may be taken as evidence of property or of trust, the key became an emblem of wealth or authority. Hence Shebna, the treasurer of Hezekiah, is warned that Eliakim shall carry the keys of the house of David. That is, that he should become treasurer in Shebna's place. This is a figurative way of expressing what is said in the 21st verse. I will commit thy government into his hand. Finally, God declares that he will fasten Eliakim as a nail in a sure place. The word nail here actually refers to a tent peg, but not those which are driven into the ground to fasten tent cords. Rather, this refers to a wooden peg, which would be built into the wall of a house or into the center pole of a tent, upon which one would hang his most prized possessions. Thus, Eliakim will be as a nail in a sure place. On the other hand, for Shebna, shall the nail that was fastened in a sure place give way, 
and it shall be hewn down and fall, and the burden that was upon it shall be cut off, for the Lord hath spoken it. So the key was an emblem of wealth or authority, but it also meant having total supervision of the royal chambers. The one who held the key was the one who decided who will and who will not enter to see the king. And now Eliakim, rather than Shebna, held the key to the house of David. And also notice that just a few chapters later in Isaiah, Shebna is referred to as Shebna the scribe. So we see that he was in fact demoted. Shebna's mistake should be a life lesson for all of us. We can't misuse and abuse the positions that God has put us in, or we will be removed. So we need to remember that we're not here to serve ourselves or our own selfish self-interests, but rather to serve God and to serve others. I don't think there's a harder lesson to learn than what you've just said. Uh, that is the most difficult thing, especially today. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're in a time, you know, when we're, we're seeing tremendous... Uh, rebellion against God, at the same time, tremendous love for God. But we have to understand that if we are Christians or people who love Christ, then that's going to challenge our friendships in certain cases. And we're going to have to make sure that we decide correctly. And uh, that's very important. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's very, very key. Janice? Uh, important to serve God and to serve others, as Ryan says. I thought about this, celebrations, a time to pray. This past Saturday, the 1st of July, was in Canada, a celebration of Canada Day. And today, the 4th of July, in America, the United States of America, it's Independence Day. And while, yes, we are blessed to live in both of these countries, and it's wonderful to celebrate, and a lot of people will be having picnics and barbecues and getting together and, uh, you know, having fireworks possibly at nighttime. What could be better? And it's wonderful to celebrate. And yet it's also a wonderful time to remember to pray for our countries, to pray for our fellow Canadians, to pray for our fellow Americans, to pray for our political leaders, to pray for those that are in authority over us. That is, is not only biblical, it's very, very important. And we need to be doing that. And, and not just on these days of celebration every day, but especially as we're focusing in on our countries, we need to be thankful to God for the blessings that he has given to us. And um, I remember, Rod, when we pastored the church in Orangeville on the 1st of July, you would open the church for people to come uh, to drop in, to spend time in prayer with God on that day to thank him not only for the country, but to bring up the issues and to bring our those in, in leadership over us in government. You know, it, it, it's very, very important, isn't it, for us to do that. And one of the scriptures, I'm sorry, just before you say anything here, one of the scriptures that we refer to a lot when we are praying for our country and for our uh, fellow Canadians and Americans, it is a responsibility for us as believers. As Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 is a very 
popular and well-known verse, but I wonder how many do this. If my people, God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and here's a really important part, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So it really is, this is an action verse, Rod. This is, if we, if, if we humble ourselves before God and, the, and we pray and we turn away from, let's not be pointing fingers at everybody else, at what that's they're what we doing. Tend to do. And that's what we tend to do. This political party, that political party, they're wrong there, I'm going to vote for that. Yes. Hold on a minute. We need to look inward for these moments and exactly. make sure that we are living according to what God has called us to do so that we can be a better reflection of who he is in this world. And so I think on these special days, we really do need to focus in on our governments. And we didn't have a program on the 1st of July because it was a Saturday. So, you know, perhaps we should pray for we need our to countries. Pray. Now, now, when we pray, God is, not a, God is not a Democrat. God is not a Republican. God is not a conservative. God is not a liberal. God is not a uh, NDP. God is not a Green Party. God is everyone. Everyone needs Jesus. Every Republican, every Democrat, every liberal, every conservative, all of them. Everybody. Everybody, including me and including you and including all of us. We all need Jesus Christ. That is Yeshua HaMashiach. And so we pray today, Father, in Jesus' name, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I say that with meaning, the power of your Holy Spirit. That spirit is not something that I've imagined or it's not something that we're conjuring up in our mind. That is the divine spirit of the mind of Christ. And that spirit, Lord, which is the other person of the Trinity. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would search our hearts, know us today, we, we repent. Now, some of us are going to celebrate, and that's fine. But, but at the heart of everything we pray, Lord, forgive us of our sin. We repent and we, we turn back to you. Lord, we need you. Jesus Christ, we need you today. Help us today. This is the work that we do as we come to you and say, Lord, we need you to change us. Father, our countries need to be changed. In Europe, in Africa, thank you for Africa. In Africa, in Australia, in Asia, China. Help us, Lord. We want to change for you. So teach us your way, your way, Lord. Show us your path. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. As we conclude today in our prayer time, thank you for joining us and being a part of this program. It's great to have you with us, but let's focus our attention on China. That's a great country. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help the people, the people who love you. Teach them your way and show them your path and help them. Help the persecution to be less and help them to be faithful and help others who are doing the persecution 
to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. May your will be done today. And we said together, amen.